Hello, Hooray for Monday listeners. This week's Deep Dive into Curiosity features a conversation between Michelle Welk, our marketing and communication specialist, and a farmer from Philadelphia. Hello, Michelle. Hello, Aletta. As our listeners may know, for the past several weeks, we've spoken with some of the people who inspire us, asking them about the role of curiosity in their lives. We've spoken so far with a mathematician and a master yoga instructor. And this week, you chatted with an organic farmer. That's right. Krista Barfield is a farmer from Philadelphia whose organization, Farmer John, stewards more than 100 acres of organic, regenerative land in the region and runs a community-supported agriculture, or CSA, program. As a note for those not from the area, John is local slang used as a noun for pretty much anything. My conversation with Krista was fascinating. I learned that despite the success of Farmer John today, she'd never grown a thing, not even a houseplant, prior to 2018. Hearing about her journey from healthcare administrator to five years later, heading up an effort to create sustainable agriculture opportunities and education was a really compelling case for the power of curiosity. I can imagine it takes a healthy dose of curiosity to pursue farming after working in healthcare. Absolutely. Especially, as Krista points out in her conversation, given the historical relationship between agriculture and Black Americans and living in the inner city of Philadelphia, it wasn't an intuitive leap. But her commitment to following her initial curiosity, sparked during a solo trip to the island of Martinique, is definitely inspiring. So a trip to the Caribbean sparked her curiosity. Should we book a staff retreat? While I would not say no to that, Krista shared that it was actually a high school science teacher who helped her to find confidence when trying new things that may otherwise be intimidating. Wonderful. A common theme I'm thrilled but not surprised to hear in these conversations is how big a role teachers who take interest in us and nurture our curiosity can play in our lives. Let's jump into your conversation with Krista and hear more. I'm Aletta Margolis, and this is Hooray for Monday, your inspiration and toolkit for the week ahead. Do it afraid. Hooray for Monday, July 31st, 2023. My name is Krista Barfield. I am the founder and CEO of Farmer John Agriculture. And uh, I focus really on reintroducing farming into the lifestyles of people. We often have no idea where our food comes from. Um, most of us are not living an agrarian lifestyle anymore as we, you know, our lineage did long ago. So we are getting back to soil, getting back to the basics of which all things come from. And, and really what I, I love to, to make sure people understand that everything that they touch uh, that is of need and necessity to them started as a plant somewhere. And there was a farmer behind that plant um, or as someone that cultivated that. So like from the houses that you live in, the trees, the lumber, you know, that there were people uh, here historically, you know, native people, Lenin Alape in Pennsylvania, that you know were responsible for planting trees and like did all of that so you can have these homes that you live in now made of this beautiful lumber. Uh, all the food that you're eating started somewhere on somebody's farm as well as the, the clothes that we're wearing are fibers that were once plants. So I really like to make sure that uh, we all understand that. And that's a big part of my work. That's wonderful. And I know you are currently doing, and correct me if I'm wrong on terminology, 
a focus on regenerative and organic farming out in the suburbs of Philadelphia currently? Yeah, actually throughout the whole region. So my work is, I am a Philadelphian and my work is focusing on Philadelphia people and, and the metro at large. So we steward 128 acres total throughout the region. 123 of those acres is in uh, the suburbs of Philly, about 45 minutes away. But the entire operation is all regenerative organic. And it's about, you know, reclamation of land for black and brown people is one aspect. And the other side of that is ensuring that we're getting back to the to the the ways of indigenous practices that don't utilize harmful chemicals such as Roundup and uh, and you know not ensuring that glyphosate is not a part of the diet of of Americans and especially in Philadelphia here. Regenerative agriculture really focuses on uh, planet and people, and that is uh, there's all these these main pillars of regenerative ag and. One of them is, uh, again, people focus, like focusing on who is that person, the people that are responsible for growing that food. Are they being taken care of? Are, there, uh, are they being paid well? Are the, their working conditions you know, good? And I love that that's a part of that certification. Like you have, to, you have to make sure we're taking care of the people who are doing the actual farm work, which is, has not been at all um, focused on for centuries. <laughs> Another aspect is the soil. How is that? Is that soil? Is the land that we're working? Is it healthy? You know, is that soil rich in in color and rich in nutrients and rich in microbes? Uh, is the science of the soil? What what was the science of the soil say? Really, like what does it look like on paper? And are there earthworms in it? You know, at the very base level, like can you see earthworms flourishing in the soil? Um, when it rains, do they come up and like peek their heads up? That, those are kind of things that are in if your soil is healthy or if it isn't. And if you if it's not, there are some things that you need to do. When we're planting, one of the main aspects is making sure that we're not removing the roots once we're done. Say if we plant some kale, after that kale plant is done, we leave the roots in the soil so that it can continue to build up the soil. More plant matter that breaks down organically and naturally as it decomposes, it's also building nutrition in that soil. But Traditional agriculture, which is big ag, uh, farm factories, what they do is they pretty much strip the soil of all the nutrients once they grow it, and they pull everything out of it. You're losing topsoil as you do that. And so um, right now, the, the reason why the regenerative organic movement is so important is because uh, there is studies that show that topsoil will be gone over the within 60 years if we continue to grow food the way that we have or continue to work the land the way that we have. And um, another piece uh, that's big for regenerative ag is also animal husbandry. Are you incorporating animals into your the way that you're doing, far, the way that you're growing food or, or, or the way that you're growing anything? Um, for us, it's food. Because biodiversity is a very big key word when we're talking about regenerative of agriculture, how, how lands and people and planet, how all the aspects that are naturally in motion, how, are you making sure that you're stewarding in a way that it's all those things can work together in harmony? Those are the main aspects of regenerative agriculture, uh, making sure you're taking care of people, making sure that animals are being incorporated into your style of growing and farming and land stewardship, uh, making sure that your soil is healthy first and foremost. And so if all of those things are good, then you, know, then you have an improved immediately air quality, you've improved immediately soil quality, and then ultimately the quality of life of people and the, the living beings roaming the planet.
naturally it makes sense. Everything's connected. So the better you treat yeah. people, the better they treat plants, etc. The earthworm thing is fascinating. I don't know that <laughs> I don't know that I've ever considered again, it makes sense when you think about it, but that's wonderful. I'm gonna have to start looking for worms to find out if, yeah. if things are <laughs> Things are going well. Okay. Well, so to, to back up a little bit then, what drove your curiosity and interest into farming in general? And then I imagine that once you actually start getting involved in it and you realize exactly how complex it can be. So what was the process of discovery like for you? Yeah. So I never touched soil before 2018. Uh, I never grew anything, touched plants. I never had a house plant, none of the things. <laughs> So my journey to agriculture is quite interesting because I worked in healthcare for 10 years, but so I've always had interest in science. Like I love science. I love the understanding the way things work and specifically life science. So my background is healthcare. uh, And at one point I wanted to be a clinician and I was like, okay, I'm going to, that's how I'm going to impact uh, the world of healthcare by being a direct clinician, working directly with patients. And it ended up changing to me being the administrator of healthcare. And so I managed practices. I made sure that things were paid for and my doctors were reimbursed, like all of that, which is also a very key part of providing care because the business of it is important. So I ultimately made a really good career. You know, I had a really great career. And unfortunately, great is relative because I ended up becoming burnt out. So I was extremely good at my job. <laughs> So much so that I invested so much of myself into it and never invested self into self. I wasn't focusing on my own wellness. And so I ended up becoming burnt out, which is not a unique story in any way. This happens all the time. Um, but what I did next was was what was unique and what sets me apart is that I decided that once I resigned from my job, uh, which I did in just kind of a blink of an eye, honestly, wasn't planned. It kind of was impulsive. And I'd made the decision to travel for the very first time. And I went to Martinique, a beautiful country in the French Caribbean. It's a Francophone country. So it was great because I had grew up learning French my entire life, used it in all pretty much elementary school, middle school, high school, and then college, and then didn't use it ever <laughs> after. So I was like, I think this will be a really wonderful way to reconnect and meet people. And it's an island. So I traveled to Martinique. It just so happened that in Martinique, the Airbnb hosts were Black farmers. And that was not a part of their profile. It wasn't. I literally chose that that, uh, location because they had a swimming pool. (laughs) That was my criteria. And upon being there, they were just warm and friendly. And I found out just in conversation about what they did. And they were like, oh yeah, we're, you know, we grow food for a living. We're have produce farm and we have a, they didn't say the word CSA, but when I got a chance to see them in action, which was something they invited me to do. And I saw them picking and packing boxes of fruits, vegetables, and herbs. I was mesmerized. I was like, wow, agriculture definitely doesn't leave a great taste in the mouths of African-Americans. So when we're looking, I'm seeing these people here in Martinique that are Black and flourishing in ag. And I'm like, yeah, this is just completely different. You know, the stories that we tell ourselves or the stories that we learn uh, about how slavery impacted the food system and how there's just so many details to get into. But specifically, when I saw Black people farming, I was very much so intrigued. I had just resigned from my job and I said, this is a great next step for me. And I was in that country all of five days and made the decision to come back to America and to my city and become a farmer. 
And so that's what I did in 2018 to now, 2023, five years later, you know, I built a, a brand around telling a love story to my city that anybody can farm and have control of their food. But if you can't, or if you just don't have the time or land, understandable, right? You can, you should at least know who your farmer is. And because that, knowing, having a connection to your farmer is automatically going to make you healthier because you can walk the land, you can talk to them, you understand typically local farmers are growing without chemicals for the, the large part. And that's how, that's who you need to know because food is medicine. And so that is, that's how it became my awakening and also became my reincarnation back to my healthcare career. That, well, that's amazing. So then what was the process like when you, you know, you had this epiphany in Martinique and you, it, it seems like kind of intuited the connection between agricultural and healthcare, but, but so then you came back to Philly and you're just like, I'm going to farm. So, yeah, I mean, and I, I, that was a solo trip for me, which is also important. And I think that's very, it's, it's so key to note that I, that was a solo vacation because I highly, highly doubt that if I had another person, even friend or family, whomever that went along that trip with me, I wouldn't have had the mental space to really get to this point of saying like, I love farming. I love ag. Agriculture had an opportunity to find me because I was being still. I had an opportunity to just chill out and like listen to what was coming my way, right? So I started to research. I was like, okay, what does agriculture look like here? Like, what is, you know, who is growing the things they were eating kind of thought. And then I learned that most of the food that we get does come from grocery stores because most people patronize grocery stores. And that food comes from at least 1,500 to 3,000 miles away. So I'm like, we are eating, I was looking at the products and like seeing where they're coming from. And I'm like, we're in Pennsylvania eating carrots from California. And then that's when I learned that a lot of the stuff that is grown in the agriculture space <clears throat> across the nation, honestly, is commodity crops. So they were growing corn and soybeans and like, we're not even really focusing on produce. So, I, you know, talking to people and telling them like, I'm going to become a farmer. One of my really, really good friends got me started and was like, hey, I'm going to buy you a greenhouse. I saw this, this little cute hobby greenhouse, little small one that can fit in your backyard. Mind you, I live in inner city Philadelphia, concrete backyard. He bought me a greenhouse that was four by six feet. So 24 square feet. And I'm like, okay, let's go. We got it built. I figured out how I was going to get, use the water and like autom automate the water in there using a timer. I was doing all this research and like, was growing herbs first out of egg cartons with some soil and like just growing herbs in my backyard and figured out how to rig heat that comes on automatically when the temperature drops. Like I was just figuring it out so that it could, I was running a little tiny farm in my backyard <laughs> of just, you know, growing herbs and I started growing radishes. And then I was like, okay, you're going to need some more land if you really want to scale this and monetize it. So I started to do some research and I found close by in Northwest Philadelphia, which is where I'm from. And, and I was uh, in Roxborough, there was this school kill environmental gardens. And I was like, okay, cool. They have, they have a, a or, where they focus on organic growing and they, they try to encourage the people, their tenants to, to do that. And they were like, you can rent, you know, a small space here. So I did, I rented about 1200 square feet of land, um, and, you know, about 15 minutes from my house. And I started to grow food and I was like, okay, this is the beginning of something great. And I was growing food for 10, 10 families uh, in, in January of 2020. Well, in spring of 2020. That is 
incredible, especially being so clear eyed and committed to your curiosity to know that you've got to, you know, taking the next step beyond the hot house in your backyard to then saying, okay, I'm going to grow food for 10 families. Like that is again, inspirational. If there were a set of resources or specific places you would send people who have the same type of curiosity you did for their own backyards or their own cities, where would you recommend someone get started exploring that? Community gardens are an amazing place to begin. And I don't know that, um, mo- I feel like Pennsylvania is so spoiled when it comes to greenery. And that just may be because I'm from here. So I don't have a, a ton of knowledge about other organizations that exist. Uh, outside of uh, when it comes to like horticulture specifically. But I will say that PHS, uh, Pennsylvania Horticultural Society that is based in housing in Philadelphia is just a, a, a wonderful organization with so many resources regarding people that want to grow plants inside their home, outside their home, on their patio, on their steps, or even a bunch have a bunch of land that they want to grow on. And whether it's growing ornamentals or growing food, they just, they can push you in the right direction. They have classes on a number of things. They work with a number of professionals uh, to be able to give that insight. And then, and then there's also specifically for farming, again, another Pennsylvania-based organization that has international presence is Rodale Institute. Rodale is, they are the the trailblazers of regenerative organic. They do all the science and they do all the, the necessary studies to be able to provide farmers with consultations and the and the proven research to be able to move forward as regenerative organic farmers um, with the knowledge and the confidence to do so. And they also have a training program. And I and I also have I have to talk about my nonprofit that I started as well, being inspired by the fact that education needs to happen for black and brown people around ag. And we have to change the rhetoric of all the the pain and the stigma in soil. For, for Black and brown people because of the history of slavery, there's so much power in, in understanding the reason why Black people were brought, Africans were brought to America to literally begin the Industrial Revolution, <laughs> like to focus on building out farms and growing food. And there's power in that, that we have since lost. And so being representation that, yes, you can you can be a farmer if you so choose. You can have an ag-related business, uh, and we're going to show you how. So there's ample resources, um, I feel, that exist to be able to get started as a farmer, as a grower, or even as a person that just wants to you know grow their own scallions in their window seal. <laughs> At home, you can have some power around your food. It sounds like you've taken what most people looking outside in would think is kind of like a wild ride professionally. So I have to imagine that maybe your education is a little bit similar, but was there ever a point in school where you, I guess that maybe set the foundation for your confidence in pursuing your curiosity in farming? Yeah, I definitely will say, um, I always focus my energy around science, like even and always. So in high school specifically, it came to a head where I was really like pursuing my love of science. Before Farmer John and like years ago, many years, I guess at least 20 years ago, if you would Google Krista Barfield, you would find the science fairs that I won. I was in the state science fair competitions and I did that at various levels and I loved it. And so there was a a teacher in high school that really, he was my physics teacher, my chemistry teacher, and he really just focused in on really grasping the fact that I love science. 
you know, the teachers are so, so important and they are the people who really set us on our track. And so he cultivated my interest and really uh, and gave me the courage to be able to say like, hey, you are doing great work. Like, let's go present it and let's go see how you stack up against others. And to be able to, I think I won, the highest I may have won was third place. But to me, that was a big deal coming out of Philadelphia, but I was able to place at all. I felt really um, empowered by that. And so I always, you know, from then on, I've always had this energy of do it afraid. Like things may not always seem (laughs) to be easy. Nothing I do is easy even now, but I always feel like fear is not a bad thing. You know, it's a reminder that you are human um, and you're not invincible, but you actually can accomplish the things if you, uh, and I don't even like to say overcome it. I just say you, you work with it. You work side by side with your fear, uh, and use it as a catalyst more so to, to be great and to do something great. And so if I hadn't done that then, and if I hadn't done that now, Farmer John would not exist. So I definitely owe that to, uh, Mr. Ciccarelli out there in, <laughs> in teacher world. <laughs> Links to the resources in this week's Hooray for Monday are linked in the written version and in the show notes. Professional learning, August Inspired Teaching Institute. What do our students need in order to thrive as learners? Join us for our August Institute on the ABCDE of learner needs. In this institute, you will analyze positive and negative learning experience in the context of learner needs, use student examples from your classroom to explore the ways in which asset framing can offer insights into meeting needs, practice using reflection tools designed to help students and teachers assess where their needs are and aren't being met. All of our institutes are free and are designed to be applicable across the pre-K-12 school experience. Participants who attend these live sessions will receive certificates of completion. Recordings and resources will be emailed to all registrants, but we highly recommend joining us live so you can experience the activities firsthand and ask questions and engage with other educators. Register for Wednesday, August 9th from 7 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern or Tuesday, August 22nd, from 7 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern, via the links in our show notes. Youth Programming. Applications are open now for the 23-24 Real World History course, the only credit-bearing course available to all public, charter, and independent school students in Washington, D.C. Real World History is taught through inquiry, equipping students with crucial skills that prepare them to thrive in our complex world. Students complete an oral history project on the Great Migration during the fall semester and have the opportunity to intern at one of Washington, D.C.'s many amazing cultural institutions in the spring. For more information and to access the application, check out the link in our show notes. Hooray for Monday is an award-winning weekly publication of Center for Inspired Teaching an independent nonprofit organization that invests in and supports teachers. Inspired Teaching provides transformative, improvisation-based professional learning for teachers that is 100% engaging intellectually, emotionally, and physically. Our mission is to create radical change in the school experience, away from compliance. 
and toward authentic engagement. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.